0: While, we, while we're going to be going through the next couple of weeks, we, we're going to start a new sermon series uh, today as well called Knowing God. And um, yeah, so it'll come up there now, just now. And the reason why we want to do this series also at the start of the year is because um, Jesus asked his disciples a very important question. He said, who do you say I am? And we know that Peter responded and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The answer to that question influences everything in your life. The way that you see God, the way that you know God or understand God to be will influence every aspect of your life. So if you think that God is this distant kind of being out there, you will live your life distant from him. You will live your life apart from him. If you think that God is you know, he, he is love, but not towards me, He's not a loving, caring God, then you'll never access the love and the care that He has for you by faith. And so, so the picture that you carry of who God is, is is critical to every area of your life. And so for the next five weeks, what we're going to do is we're just going to hold up a picture of who God is from the Scriptures. So today we're going to talk about the glory of God. Uh, next week we're going to talk about His graciousness or His goodness. Um, we're going to talk about just... Uh, his generosity, just all the, the different aspects of who He is. We're just going to throw out the Scriptures out there. And I want you just to to let the Word wash your picture of who He is. You know, all of us, we have this picture of who He is and what He is. Let the Word of God wash that picture so that you can see Him as He is. And let it build faith in you um, so that we we can access all that He has for us this year. So so we're going to be doing that. Um, and this morning we're going to be talking about his glory. So if you have a Bible, you can join me in Luke 9. Let's go to Luke 9. And um, it'll come up on the screen as well. If, if you can, can we, can we stand for the reading of the word? Is that all right? Father, as we approach your word, it's with reverence, Lord. Um, We know this word is powerful and it can do something incredible in our lives So as we read give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear we pray. Amen. Amen Verse 28 it says now it came to pass About eight days after these sayings That he took peter john and james and went up on the mountain to pray And as he prayed The appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. Ah, these guys. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory. Can you say that? They saw his glory. And the two men who stood with him as well. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Peter was that kind of guy. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and they told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Amen. You can take your seats. How many of you read this before? Isn't it awesome? This, this passage is just so packed, and I'm so excited to preach on it this morning. Um, first thing I want you guys just to notice out of this passage is that Jesus went up the mountain to pray. Okay? The, and, and He didn't go alone. He actually took some people with Him. One thing that we really learn from the life of Jesus is that He took time out of His schedule to seek His Father. You know, if anyone had an excuse not to pray, we would think it would be the Son of God. We would think, yeah, he's got that one covered. Us, maybe we need to pray. But the fact that Jesus actually left his life, his schedule, his busyness, and intentionally went to go and seek his Father, he did it as a model for you and me. And if he did it, then how much more shouldn't we do that as well? He had demands on Him every single day. How many of you have demands on you every day? People wanting to see Him, opportunities to go here, to go there, to go speak here, to say this. to There was all this pulling on Jesus all the time. How many of you feel like life pulls on you? You start work, and the next thing you're doing this, and then there's an assignment if you're studying, and then there's that thing, and eventually your life is so full of demand, and all you're doing is you're responding to demand. And if we're not careful, that's how life can go. And what we learn from the life of Christ is that He was busy too, just like you and I get busy. However, he intentionally took time out to go and seek his Father. And I want to say, guys, let's start the year like that, here. Let's make this week a week where we intentionally go and seek the Father together. And he didn't do it alone. He took people with him. And if your prayer life is struggling this morning, I want to encourage you, find somebody that you can pray with. Because if you are really struggling in your prayer life, the best thing for you is actually to get around other people who are praying. It's, it's, it's like a catalyst. It's something, it helps you. It just, it fuels your faith and, and it enables you to pray a little bit more. So, let's set time aside to go and seek God. But Something incredible happens in this particular prayer meeting that Jesus takes his disciples into. As he goes up onto the mountain, his, his face begins to change. It begins to glow. Um, Moses and Elijah are speaking with him. There's this cloud and a voice of the Father speaking. It's, it's nothing short of spectacular, nothing short of dramatic. Can you imagine if something like that were to happen in our prayer meetings this week? <laughs> You know, I have to ask, well, why, why is this particular passage in the Bible? You know, wh- wh- when we read this passage, wh- why is it there? It's written, the, the, all of this is written for you and for me. You know, he only took Peter, James, and, and, and John with him up that mountain. Other people didn't get to experience it. But now they are actually recording it for us so that we can also see what happened in this moment. Why is this in the Bible? I believe it's in the Bible to bait us, to make us thirsty, to make us hungry, that we would look at this moment and go, wow, what if stuff like that could happen in our prayer meetings? You know, the cloud, the glory of God coming and descending, God speaking so powerfully, the Spirit moving like that. Is that even possible for you and I? Well, I hope by the end of the sermon, you'll see it as possible for you and for me. And I hope you'll come this week with such an expectation that we're going to have experiences like this as well. But for me, the highlight of this passage is where it says, They saw His glory. They saw His glory. Isn't that amazing? You know, this word glory is used quite often in, in the Bible. It's, um, you know, glory to God. And, and, and it's actually become a bit of a Christianese term as well, you know. Because something good happens in a Christian's life, and they say glory to God, and glory brother, and glory sister, and you know what I mean. We we use this word glory. What does it actually mean? In in the Hebrew, the word glory is the word korbod, and what it 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 comes from the root word where it it means uh, weightiness or or substance or value. Um, and at the same time it means brilliance or splendor or radiant beauty of. So when, when the Bible's talking about the glory of God, it's talking about the the, the, the weight or the substance or the worth of God. Um, that's, that's what it means. It it actually comes from a root word where um, which means heavy. So so in ancient Hebrew they, they, they had this saying that if somebody was like very wealthy, they were heavy in wealth. That's what they used to say. It, that, that person is very heavy in wealth. Kind of like we would use the term today, he's loaded. You know, it's the same kind of thing. And so from from that root word, we, we get this 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 word glory, and what it's basically saying to us is this is the the loadedness of God. When when the Bible talks about they saw his glory. It's saying that they saw the lo- his loadedness. Because you could also be loaded in, in wealth. You could be loaded in uh, honor. You could be loaded in power. You could be loaded in, in majesty. You could be loaded in splendor, And so glory is, is the full loadedness of who God is. It's the full brilliance of him. It's the full splendor of him. It's, it's all of his wonderful qualities, his, his love, his power, his goodness, his justice. It's all of those qualities being displayed for you and I to see. That's what the glory of God is. And, and what Peter, James, and John see in this moment is, is who Jesus is really is. When it says that they saw his glory, what, what they actually saw was who he really is. You know, for the most part in the gospels, Jesus was was cloaked in in flesh. I mean he, he was an ordinary man by all accounts. I mean you know the, the, the gospel is that God became man, the word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us. So, you know, even Isaiah spoke about this in Isaiah 53. He spoke about how um, the the Messiah would grow up like a root out of dry ground. And there would be no splendor or comeliness or beauty or anything that we should desire him. In other words, the Messiah, Isaiah was saying, is going to come and he's going to be very ordinary. You're going to have to look out for him. Because he's going to grow up like a man. He's going to grow up. The, he's not going to be like six feet taller than most people with like incredible muscles and I don't know what else like superhuman like and we're all gonna go whoa you know this this must be the Messiah he's he's gonna grow up ordinary just like everybody else he's gonna he's gonna come in the form of flesh and so for the most part many people when they looked at Jesus that's all they saw you know they just many people they just saw a man but in this moment Peter James and John they go up the mountain and God Peels back the flesh just for a little moment, just to give like a peek, kind of like some of you at Christmas, you know, when you pulled the wrapping back, just, just a little bit, just to see the label, you know what? And then you got excited because you saw the label or whatever it was. This is what God does He's, He just pulls back the flesh just a moment to reveal who Jesus really is. This is what He was, the glorious Son of God. Of God, Um, they see His loadedness, if you like, Um, and and this is the thing about God's glory, as as I've been studying it this week, is is God's glory is something that's actually hidden. It's not something that we just see, like right now, you know. He's actually hidden His glory, so He He hid His glory. In Jesus, in this moment, we just see just a little bit of that glory, and they're just like, Whoa. you know, this is this is this is not just another man. This is not just somebody who's ordinary. This this is the Son of God. So he hides his glory in Jesus, and he also hides his glory in in his Word as well. In one Corinthians chapter three, it says that. And all of us with unveiled face continue to behold in the Word of God the glory of God. And we are transformed by that glory. So God hides His glory in Jesus. He hides His glory in the Bible, in the Word. He also hides His glory in us, the saints. That's why Paul said, we have this treasure, but it's in jars of clay, So the greatness may be of God and not of ourselves He hides it in jesus he hides it in the word he hides it in us and he also hides it in creation as well So it's actually hidden for the most part his glory is hidden and he does promise that there will be a day When he will come back in all his glory Jesus said in matthew 25 the the son of man will come back in all of his glory and, and in other passages it says, And He will come back in His Father's glory, and everyone will see Him as He is. But for now, the only way that we see that glory is through the eyes of faith. It's hidden behind these things. So it's only through the eyes of faith that we begin to unlock and see the glory that God has. So, for example, there were many moments... In the Gospels, where people looked at Jesus and they saw, this is just a man. He's just another man. You, you're just a man. But then there are those moments where his glory wasn't pulled back, but people did, with the eyes of faith, see who he really was. Like that Roman centurion when he was being crucified. Everyone was just seeing another man dying with other thieves on a cross and bleeding. They just saw a man. The Roman centurion looked up and said these words. He said, surely this was the Son of God. He saw something with the eyes of faith past the flesh to see what was was really there. Or what about that prostitute who at that dinner table one night at a Pharisee's house was just on the floor kissing his feet and wiping his feet with her tears and just, just appreciating and loving Jesus so much. Everybody was like, what, why, are you, why are you letting a woman do that to you? What was going on was that she could see with the eyes of faith who he was and how precious he was that, that was actually hidden to other people. And so it's through the eyes of faith that we begin to see the glory of God. It's just like the Bible. How many, how many of you know people who, who think of the Bible? It's just another book. It's just a book. You know, it's just a book that's on the shelf, that's getting dust. Like, what, what is so special about this book? But it's amazing how when you, with the eyes of faith, begin to look at the Scriptures, you start to see in here the glory of God. He's actually hidden His glory in here. So when you put on the eyes of faith, how many of you have ever been reading the Bible and you start to see things beyond just what you're looking at on the page? And, that, and then you, you start to get a revelation. I mean, just even this week when I was preparing this message, I started to you know, talk, look at the glory of God and I started to see scriptures that I've always seen, but in a new light. And, it, and it, what it did to me was I just, went like, I just had to put it down and I had to walk around just going, God, you are just amazing. You're just amazing. What what actually happened in that moment was I saw some of that glory that's in the Word. So it takes the eyes of faith to see the glory of God. Let me show you a scripture in Psalm 19 this morning. Psalm 19 verse 1, it says the following. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. I want you to look at the scripture. What what do you notice about us? It says the heavens, what do they do there? What are the heavens doing? They are proclaiming what? They are proclaiming the glory of God. Notice that it doesn't say that the heavens are the glory of God. You see, the heavens creation is not actually the glory of God. Creation, the heavens, the stars, when we, when we look at like creation, it's, it's just a signpost. It's just something to help us on the way to seeing the glory of God. That's what it is. It's not actually the glory of God. They, they proclaim, they tell of God's glory. They, they like signposting saying, this way to the glory of God. And the intention that God had was he made creation so vast, so powerful, so incredible that you and I would look at it and go, how incredible must be the person who actually made all of this. I mean, if you just had to take a pinprick of the sun in here, it would kill everyone in Durban all the way up to Johannesburg just a pinprick of the sun and put it here. That's how hot the sun is. I mean, some of you, you know, you go close to a fire and you warm your hands, right? The sun is so hot that if we had a pinprick of it here, it would kill everyone in the city. And we, we don't understand heat like that. But what is the, why is it there? It's there to proclaim. It's there as a signpost to say this way to the glory of God. And we're supposed to look at that and go, how glorious, if it's that bright, if it's that hot, if it's that powerful, how glorious must be the one who actually made it. It's just a signpost to the glory of God. So creation, the word Jesus, he hides his glory in all of these things. And there's little markers and little points that, that, that lead us to it. But for the most part, it remains hidden unless we have the eyes of faith to see it. And the question I had when I was thinking about all of that was, why? Hey, isn't it horrible? Wouldn't it be great if we could just wake up and see the glory of God every single day? I mean, I know I have a beautiful wife and I do think I see the glory of God every day, but she's also just a signpost <laughs> to Him. And if she's so beautiful, how beautiful must be the one who who made her. Amen, husbands? Amen, amen, okay. Um, why? Is it hidden? Why do we have to have the eyes of faith to see it? Why is is this glory, this loadedness, this brilliance, this magnificence? It's like, come on, God. If if you would just show the world who you are, everyone would just believe this whole thing would be done. We wouldn't have to pray for our friends to get saved. And it's so frustrating because you've seen the glory of God and they haven't. And you're trying to explain it to them, and they're like, where is it? What are you talking about? And you're like, Jesus is the Son of God. And they're like, yeah, I can kind of see he's like, like he said, good stuff. He's like a prophet. He's, you know, but you've seen something else. You've experienced something else through the eyes of faith. You've unlocked some of that glory, and that glory's done something to you. It's it's transformed you to the place where you want a little bit more of it. You want to see more of it. You want to go after it, but it's still hidden, and so we have to seek for it. And we're so frustrated that other people just can't see it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? God, why don't you just... How many of you have prayed? Lord, just show them. Show them. How magnificent you are why is this glory hidden why is it concealed there's an answer to this question in Exodus chapter 33 where Moses is having this talk with God and he says Lord please can you show me your glory how many of you know the scripture I'm talking about how many of you have prayed that it's, not, not a lot of us do pray that And the reason why a lot of us don't actually pray that is because we don't actually know that He wants to show it to us. We think it's out of our reach. I want you to know it's not. I'm getting ahead of myself, okay? I'm getting ahead of myself. But I want to show you this morning that it's not out of our reach, this glory that He's talking about. Moses says, Lord... I want to see your glory. He's intrigued. He's seen glimpses. He's seen something, but he's like, Lord, I want to see your loadedness. I want to see how loaded you really are in beauty, in magnificence, in power. And and we know the answer to the question. What did God say to Moses? No. Well, he didn't say no, no. But he, he said, Moses, you cannot see my glory and love. So what I'm going to do, Moses is I'm not going to let you go without. I'm going to honor the fact that you asked for it, that you want to see it, because I actually really want to show you as well, but I don't want to kill you in the process. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock, and I'm going to put my hand over you. Go read in Exodus 33. I'm going to put my hand over you, and then I'm going to pass in front of you, and I'm going to proclaim my name... As I go past you, and once I've gone past you, I'll lift my hand off you, and then you can come out of the cleft of the rock, and you can see just the last traces of it. You will just be able just to see the, the as I've gone, just the, the the rear part of it, just the leftover part of it, and you'll be okay, and you'll live. <laughs> so, it's hidden for a reason. Because it will kill us otherwise. Paul says this in in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither can the perishable inherit the imperishable. And what Paul was saying is, guys, you can't actually go into the glory of God as you currently are. Just just like, you, you know, all of us, we can't go into space right now without a space suit. Okay, if you had to go into space, I don't even know what would happen to you. Would you just explode would you just okay so so what do you need you need you need an earth suit okay and if you want to go into the full glory of god and where he is right now you need a resurrected body because your body right now can't handle it it will explode okay but he doesn't leave us without okay he doesn't leave us without i'm going to show you more just wait okay just wait i'm getting ahead of myself um For the most part, it remains hidden, okay? But, and it's hidden for a good reason, but there are moments in Scripture where He actually allows us to have these limited encounters with His glory. Like Moses just had this limited encounter with with His glory, He allows us as well to have these limited encounters with with His glory. They're called Shekinah glory moments. How many of you have heard the word Shekinah before? Okay? We sing the song, what is it? Here we are, standing in your presence. Here we are, standing in your presence. Shekinah Glory come down. Shekinah Glory come down. What are we? We some of us Shekinah sounds good. Sounds awesome, actually. Shekinah, Shekinah glory. It's like a surreal kind of. But we have no idea, actually. What's What are we actually saying when we say Shekinah? The word Shekinah is not actually a biblical word. It's an extra biblical word, but it comes. It, the root of it comes from the Bible, and it means this. It means, He caused to dwell. Can you say that? He Can you tell the person next to you, Shekinah means he caused to dwell. He caused to dwell. So so the idea is this, okay? There are moments where he causes his presence, his brilliance, his radiance, his power to dwell. He causes it to dwell in a way... That doesn't kill us. <laughs> okay, in a limited way. So, so you see, God actually has to limit himself in order for us to encounter him. That's how big he is. That's how powerful he actually, I mean, it's, it's like you, you look at a, a, a whole bunch of ants, you know, they're crawling in the ground, they're just doing their own thing. They, they don't even know that you exist. You know, how, how do you even get through to them? You know, if you, you come down and start speaking to them, the very breath will just blow them away. You'll say, hi, ants, and they're just going to, you know, especially if you had some garlic. You know, they're just going to be like, <laughs> they, it's, it's like you just, so, so what God does is he limits himself. He actually takes part, limits himself into these Shekinah moments. That's what it is. He causes a part of himself to come and invade our realm and to actually dwell with us, to be with us. And so when we sing Shekinah glory come down, what we're actually saying is God allow us to experience a limited, a, a, an enough of who you are, not so that, we don't, so that we don't die, but also so that we don't miss out. And, and cause us to experience what we can of you. A Shekinah glory come down. Let your glory come down. And there's a couple of examples of this in Scripture where um, in in Exodus 24, it'll come up there. It says, And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it. So here we see this glory. It's a Shekinah glory. And the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. So, So God caused... His loadedness to be constrained and come and settle on top of this mountain and the perception from the people was it was like a cloud and like a glory cloud and it was like a consuming fire just that was raging on top of the mountain in 2 Chronicles 7 we see another example where Solomon had finished dedicating the temple he prayed and it says fire flashed down from heaven burnt up the burnt offerings and sacrifices and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. And there's other examples that I could go and show you, but, but these are moments, these are Shekinah moments. These are moments where God poured himself out in order for people to encounter him and see his brilliance, but not die in, in, in the same process, Okay. What was, the re- what was the reaction from everybody in these moments? They all fell on their faces and praise God. <laughs> they were all overcome. You know, John encounters um, the glory of Jesus on the island of Patmos before he starts writing the book of the Revelation. And he falls on the ground as a dead man. It's like whenever we encounter, it seems even the Shekinah glory is actually just a little bit too much for us. Okay? But, but this is what happens and the point of this is, this is, what do we learn from all of this? Like, what, what are we actually getting out of this, this understanding of His glory? I want to take you to a scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, so that you can see God's heart and His intent for us in His glory. Ephesians chapter 2, and it's, and it's in verse 19. Are you there? Ah, it's coming up here as well, which is great. Um... Ephesians 2 says the following, it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and you are members of God's household. Okay, just, I want you just to ponder that for a moment. You're not a stranger to God. Okay, when you gave your heart to Jesus, he brought you into his house. Okay, you are in his household. So you're no longer a stranger. And I know a lot of us have to change our thinking. We think that we are strangers to God. You're actually a child of God. You've been brought near into his household. Okay, and it says the following, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together, why? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Okay. What is the Scripture saying to us? Is It's just the last part that I want us to focus on there. God actually wants to be with us. And God actually wants us to carry His glory. God actually wants to pour out his glory on us, his church. You know, right the way through the Old Testament, there's this, there's this word that keeps coming. He says, I will dwell amongst you. I will be in you. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And so there's this promise that comes all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through this promise. I'm coming. I want to be with you. I want to be with God. I want to dwell with you. I want. To... And then it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus comes and does what's necessary so that we we can encounter God. And the realization after the cross is that there is this church, this group of people who are saved, who are sanctified, who have been brought near into the household of God, and the picture, the end picture that God has in mind is that we are like a building together. So you can nudge the person next to you and say, you're a brick in the wall. You're a stone in the wall, not a brick. You're a a stone in this wall, okay? We, We, okay, are a whole bunch of stones here this morning. Okay, this is what Paul's trying to illustrate for us. And just like his presence dwelled on the tabernacle, and then it dwelled in the temple, and then it dwelled on Jesus' It now says that His presence, the place where He wants to dwell, the place where He wants to be, the place where he, he desires to be, is with us. With us. He actually wants to dwell with us. And He says, there's something incredible that happens. When you and I fit our lives together, when we come and we join ourselves in relationship And in our pursuit and in our vision, reach disciple, in our kingdom mandate, when we unite together, God looks down from heaven and says, that's where I can come. That's where I want to come. I want those people to actually carry my glory. Why? Well, because it's the only thing that distinguishes us from anybody else on this planet. I've been to Mosque prayers friday and i've been to synagogue and i've been to various other things as well <laughs> just to go and check it out just to see what's going on you know just experience it and and know what's happening there some of you are like <gasps> relax it's okay i'm happy here all right <laughs> if if you had to ask me when what was the summary of your experience in going to all those places in comparison to what happens in church Because what happens in church? We have teaching, we have relationships, we have fellowship, we have prayers. They have all of that as well. What is the thing that makes church what it is? What is the the, the secret source of, of, of this that distinguishes it from any other sort of practice? And the answer is, it's the Shekinah glory of God. It's the presence of God. It's the dwelling of His Spirit on us. Moses said this he said if your presence your Shekinah glory does not go with us into the promised land Then do not send us why because otherwise we would be like every other people There would be no specialness to us And God says that's that's the right answer you understand see church It's about building relationships. It's about teaching. It's about growing. It's about learning It's about putting our skills together to go and advance the kingdom of God. It's all about those things but before all of those things It's about us meeting with God. It's about God dwelling with us. It's about creating a space right here, right now, through song, through worship, through the preaching of the Word, through whatever we can, whatever would invite Him to come, whatever means we have, whatever we can put our hearts behind so that He can come, so that He can be with us. And the sad day for any church is the day that we forget that. That's when churches die. That's when churches die. Churches die when we make it about the teaching of the word. Churches die when we make it about fellowship. Churches die when we make it about a mission, a job to do. What it's really about is it's is about meeting with God. It's about Him dwelling with us. It's about His presence being here with us. And why am I sharing this this morning? Is because there needs to be a hunger in us for this thing. There needs to be a seeking of this. And, and for, for us this morning, what this is, this word is, it's a reminder. It's a, What I'm saying to us guys as a church is, let's not forget why we exist. We... Should hunger for the presence of God. We should hunger for Him to come and dwell with us. We we should desire to have these Shekinah glory moments. We should we should want this auditorium to be a place where it's special. It's saint. It's sacred. It's holy. Where you would you would come in the door and you would it like like you you know like when you open when you walk into a room where there's aircon, and you've been outside and it's hot, and you come in and there's that just that. Oh, Relief from the, the heat and the struggle, that's what this should be. That you would come in and you would feel the release of the struggle, that you would forget the pain and the hardship and the everything, and you would come into your birthright of carrying the glory of God. And amazing, He wants to pour it out on us, but there needs to be a hunger in us for it. You know, he's such a gentleman. He, he, he goes if we invite him. Well, how did it work for you to be saved? You, you had to say, Lord, I sir, surrender. Come into my heart. Okay? James, who was up on the mountain and saw this encounter of Jesus, you know, the flesh being pulled back and the glory of God. He later wrote in the book of James. He said, if we draw near to him, he He wrote from experiential knowledge. He remembers the day where he drew near to God and God drew near to them. You have to leave some things and pursue God. Have that heart that says, God, I'm I'm, I'm coming for you. I'm coming to pursue you. That we would be a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So the point is this, is we can host the glory of God, and we should host it. What will be the result of that? Let me, let me close with this, and maybe the worship team, if you wouldn't mind just coming up, we're going we're gonna to sing that song, Shekinah Glory, this morning. We're going to close with that. So worship team, if you wouldn't mind just coming on up at this moment, what, what is the result of God's Shekinah Glory showing up? what what is the end like do we just go wow you know is it just like a or we fall down or you know what what are we actually what what actually happens when his shakana glory shows up well there's there's five things i'm just going to close with them i'm going to mention them briefly i'm not going to teach on them okay there are five things that that happen when god's glory shows up the the first thing that the glory of god does is it is it protects Okay, When when the glory of God comes down, it protects. And we see this in, in the Old Testament where they were leaving Egypt and going into the Promised Land. It said there was a, a pillar of fire that led them at night and a cloud that protected them by the day. So there was this fire at night, cloud in the day to protect them from the scorching heat of the desert. So, the Shekinah glory, when it comes on a people, it protects a people. I don't know about you, but I need protection. My marriage needs protection. My home, my kids, I, I, my businesses, my finances, my assets. The, I don't know about you, but have you noticed that this world is dangerous? <laughs> And there's thieves, and there's things, and there's stuff happening, and we need the protection. How many of you know we need the protection of God? When the glory comes on it, it it's, there's a protection that comes. And that's why sometimes when you, you can just join a church, your life just suddenly becomes protected. We call it coming under covering. And, and a lot of us don't really understand why, and we've kind of mixed that up, and we, it becomes a little bit Christian-easy, you, you need to be under-covering, and we don't even know why. What, what covering are we talking about? We're talking about the covering of the Shekinah. We're talking about not the covering of a man or a woman who's leading the church. We're talking about the covering of God that he puts over his church. And when you make a decision and say, I'm going to join this church, then you join the church, you come under the covering. Where is the covering? It's over the church. So a lot of people say, you know, Pastor Wayne, I'm going to come under your covering. You're not coming under my covering. Okay? Okay. I don't have a covering, <laughs> okay? I'm not able to cover much. You can see, okay? You're coming under the covering of God. God honors His church. He honors His leaders, that sort of thing. But, but there's a protection. There's a supernatural protection that comes when you, when you put yourself in the church. And what is it? It's the presence. It's the Shekinah of God. Okay, number one, there's protection. Number two, what happens is there's a blossoming. A Siakaza this year. Kakka I must, I'm saying it right. I'm okay. Someone was I thought someone was correcting me. Can you say siakaza? Come on, white people, like this. Okay. Siakaza. What does that mean? This is the word for twenty seventeen, by the way. I'm just I'm releasing siakaza, okay? We are we are going to blossom this year. What, what, what am I talking about when I say blossom? The Shekinah glory, when it comes down, it actually starts to, to influence... Just, ah, just imagine this, okay? So the very loadedness of who God is, His beauty, His power, His wisdom, it, Shekinah, it comes down in a way that it doesn't kill us, but that we can experience it. And whatever it touches... Starts to blossom. Remember, God is the one who spoke and creation formed. Whatever God touches, it just blossoms. When Jesus got into Peter's boat that day, what happened? There were lots of fish to be caught. Okay? There is a there is a prosperity, there is a blossoming, there is a there is a releasing to be fruitful that comes when the Shekinah comes on a people. So just like you, you know, I've seen this so many people. So many people's lives—they're dying. But when they join into a church and they knit themselves into a spiritual family, they just start to blossom. The leader that was in them, that you could never see out there before, suddenly starts to come out. It starts to blossom. New ideas for business, just everything. When when the when the ark, which was carried the Shekinah glory of God, was being transferred from one city to another, it's. Uzziah tried to catch it and he died and then it was brought to a guy's house called Obed-Edom. And the Bible says this, in Obed-Edom's house, everything began to prosper. So much so that David realized, okay, right, we can now take the ark and we can put it in Jerusalem. Okay, so, but the point was this, is that Obed-Edom was a righteous man, a man with a heart after God. And when it came into his house... Everything began to prosper in such a way that everybody could look at Obed-Edom and say, Yo, three months ago, this, something's happened in three months. Something has changed in three months' time. Why? Because the, the Shekinah, the actual glory of God had come on, on, on his house. So it protects, it causes to a but it also transforms. Thirdly, it transforms. Moses, when he encountered the glory of God, what happened? His face was transformed. He began to glow. So we will become luminescent. (laughs) No, all right? Every time you encounter the glory of God, it will change you. You won't be the same again. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, it says... With unveiled face we behold in the word of God the glory of God, and we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. You become better when you encounter God. You become more happy, more joyous, more peaceful. You become wiser. You become smarter. Right now, you don't know the you that you could be. If I had to put you in the presence of God, you would be the best you you could be. <laughs> so every time you encounter that glory, you, you're changed. That's why, you know, that's why we go for the Word of God. That's why we believe as disciples. We study the Word of God. What are we looking for? We're looking for the glory of God. Why? What happens when we see the glory of God? The glory of God transforms us. We become better people. We become better people. How many of you become better people after having a quiet time, time with God? I know I do. I become a bad person when I don't have the, that encounter with. But when I have that time with God, it just, it changes me. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a better person now. You can, I can go back into the world and, and not be like such a nightmare. It transforms us. Number four, it, it, it emboldens us or empowers us. I don't have time to talk about it. In Acts 4, the, the Shekinah glory of God, the Spirit was poured out, and the disciples were filled with courage and boldness. Um, it emboldens us. And finally, fifthly, it satisfies. It satisfies us. David said this. He said, one thing, Psalm 27, one thing I desire of the Lord and that do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. And that I may dwell in his tent forever. That I may meditate, consider and inquire in his temple. One thing I desire. What was David's one desire? To be in the house of God. He was talking about the tabernacle. Why? Because that's where the glory of God was. And he longed just to gaze at it. Why? Because it satisfied him. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That you can be so dissatisfied with life, but then you have an encounter with God you don't need anything. I don't need that promotion. I don't need that recognition. I don't need your, some other person to do something for me. I don't need that extra car, that extra whatever. I don't actually need that. I, why? I'm fine. Because I've, I'm satisfied. It satisfies us like nothing else. And so the end of this message... Oh, you can see I need to stop. Next going. The end of this message, And the end. We're getting to the end. The end of this message is this is that we should hunger for this this glory. We should be a people that are like, you know what, if we're gonna go after one thing, we're gonna go after God, Shekinah, glory, come down. That we would have a heart that says, You know I mean the benefits are there, okay, but but the end thing needs to be God, we, we want you with us. Church, I want you to know, there's nothing else that distinguishes you from anybody else in this world. There's nothing else that distinguishes us but the presence, the power, the Shekinah glory of God. Let's stand to our feet, okay, and and let's we're gonna we're gonna sing this song this morning, the Shekinah glory of God. But I we just we're gonna sing, and they're gonna lead us. But I want you to think about this week coming up, this, this week that we're going to be going through. And, and I want you to just to get your heart right with God right now and just start to get a hunger and a thirst to actually start to seek Him. Can you put your life aside? Can you put your goals for 2017 aside? Can you Can you put all those to-dos aside and can you like Jesus you know withdrew up to the mountain, can you do that this week? Can you right here right now consecrate yourself and say, you know what Lord I' I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for you and and I'm telling you now if you do that and I do that and everybody else does that in this room, I can tell you our experience of the Shekinah will be magnified because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit but so am I. And when we're fitted together, we create a dwelling place that exceeds or supersedes what you can experience just on your own. And I want to say, guys, let's be a church like that, man. Let's be a church that's hungry for for that Shekinah glory, that, that encounter with God, that presence of God. Father, we come to you this morning with new hearts, Lord, just to seek you, God. We're not satisfied with where we're at right now, Lord, with our limited exposure to your glory. God, we're not satisfied with what we've seen so far. Father God, we we want something deeper. We want something more. Father God, we, we want to go deeper into those waters with you, God. Here we are to seek you. Here we are, Lord, standing in your presence.